Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how God named Hagar's child before he was born because Ishmael was named to commemorate that God had heard Hagar's misery. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can find the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. That's the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. Now, this Bible teaching radio program, especially this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program from Tom Cantor, is available through listener support. So we need your listener support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. And we'd like to encourage you to donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. If you're really enjoying the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, we really do need your support. 1-800-247-3051. Or again, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, our resource of the month is Tom Cantor teaching on the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We have a two-disc DVD production that brings to life the process and passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Passover lamb in our lives today. You want to get this DVD. It's our resource of the month for a $20 or more donation, and it'll help to encourage you to continue to support the Friendship with God radio program. So call us now or after the program at 1-800-247. 3051 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore or again donate online friendshipwithgod.org and speaking of our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org we've got some exciting news we will be adding a bible to that collection of Tom Cantor written materials. Tom Cantor's finished his long-awaited Friendship with God Bible, and that's going to be printed here shortly. It's a King James Bible with over 2,200 pages and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's an amazing Bible. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament that you can study. It's got over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes a daily Bible reading notation schedule, and a tour of the Bible scripture journey, specifically that Tom Cantor has laid out. So you can take a tour of the Bible. Now, we've also got 12 custom-made full-color maps and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map that you'll get with no other Bible. It's specifically and uniquely created by Tom Cantor. And not to mention an incredible concordance, a most popular Bible scripture references section, a Bible references help section, and even a prophecy and fulfillment reference section. But we've also added to that the names of the Messiah section, as well as hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor, too many to name, to help you study your Bible and help grow your friendship with God. Now we're printing these Tom Cantor Friendship with God Bibles with Finland thin paper printing technology, and they'll be covered with lambskin leather. Now, a reference and commentary Bible like this would normally run over $200, usually $250 or more. But we'll be offering this incredible Tom Cantor custom-made Friendship with God commentary and reference Bible at less than $80 if you call and sign up today before the first limited print run release is taking place. Now, you can call us today at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thirty fifty one, and we'll add you to our list for the Tom Cantor Friendship with God Commentary and Reference Bible. Again, that's one eight hundred two four seven thirty fifty one.
1-800-247-3051. Now, we're about to start our teaching program for today here in just a few minutes, but we wanted to go over some of the amazing teaching that Tom Cantor's gone over here on the Friendship with God radio program with the life of Hagar that we've been studying. Now, of course, we saw the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who found Hagar out there in the desert. Now, by God's grace, Hagar was taken out of a life in Egypt where she was surrounded by false gods and put into the house of Abraham. Now, in this chapter of Hagar's life from the past previous to Abraham, it was an Egyptian time or dark chapter in her life in which she lived in Egypt. And, of course, in Egypt, there were a lot of false gods that he pointed out from the book of Exodus that had angered God. And, of course, in this chapter of Hagar's life, she was surrounded by these false gods And Tom Cantor pointed out that Hagar's life in Egypt was a life of darkness, idolatry, and really cutting herself off from God. As we've studied this week, Tom used a really graphic illustration of a piggy bank, which we're all familiar with, with storing away and putting away money, and really pointed out the fact that when a piggy bank's emptied, we can see all the coins that are dropped in there over time. And it's the same for us as lost sinners, just as Hagar, that one day all the sins that we've done and forgotten about will be brought to the light. And everything will come out at one time. Now, every time Hagar did one of those things, Tom Cantor pointed out, as we studied her life before Abraham, he said that she was treasuring up for herself wrath against the day of wrath, just as lost sinners do. So this chapter in Hagar's life in Egypt was filled with her storing up and depositing one sin after another. And it's the same as lost sinners' lives do with their rejection of Jesus Christ. Now, Tom Cantor pointed out in our study that one day through a surprising series of strange events, Hagar found herself in Abraham's family and started making a chapter, a new chapter, in Hagar's life. Now, she was a great sinner that needed a great Savior, but now she was in Abraham's family, and she had to learn while being in Abraham's family that God was a great Savior, that God required the shedding of blood and remission of sin, and she also learned that she had to trust God for the forgiveness of sins through the blood And that Hagar did nothing for that transition to happen. And that was like for many of us, that suddenly someone came into our lives and told us about the Lord Jesus Christ and our terrible sins that could be forgiven by him, thankfully. Now, Tom Cantor pointed out in our study that Hagar heard God call her by her name and her title, which was Hagar, Sarah's maid, because that was the first step back to the road of restoration, her coming back into Abraham's family. And that means that God knew her. This was an important part of our study that Tom pointed out in that God did not call her Hagar, Abraham's wife. But Tom pointed out that Hagar had thought of herself as that, but she was despised by Sarah because she imagined herself to be preferred over Sarah. And that was really the root problem that Tom Cantor in our study this week pointed out, that Hagar was separated from Abraham's family because of pride. And Tom pointed out that everyone in hell today is there because of pride. So when we look at the life of Hagar, we can really see ourselves in Hagar before our own salvation conversion. And God was concerned about where Hagar was headed because she was in rebellion to Sarah. But God was interested in Hagar coming back and being restored with Sarah because Sarah was God's way to break Hagar's pride. So here's Tom Cantor as we continue our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday study from the book of Genesis about the life of Hagar. And today we're going to learn about Hagar's child and how God had named Hagar's child before he was born because Ishmael was named to commemorate that God had heard Hagar's misery. Here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching. 
So God calls to Hagar, Hagar, Sarah's maid, and by saying that, God is saying to Hagar, you are not Abraham's wife, you are not elevated above Sarah, you have no reason to look down and to despise Sarah, you are Hagar, Sarai's maid, and Hagar is very smart not to argue with God, it's very smart not to argue with God, you can't win that argument, or to rebel against God, but to accept her place as Sarah's maid. Now, by accepting her humble position as Sarah's maid, Hagar's now ready to start thinking soberly, like it says in Romans 12.3. And so, with this renewed sober mind, God now asks Hagar this question, Whence camest thou? So he's asking her, turn around and look back on your life. And when God said that to Hagar, he knew where she came from. He didn't need the education about it. He's not trying to find out. He's wanting Hagar to think about where she had come from. And so God is wanting Hagar to think about the last two chapters in her life. The chapter of Hagar's darkness in Egypt and the chapter of Hagar's light in Abraham's family. And so the question, whence camest thou, God is leading Hagar to think of all she had left. He's leading Hagar to consider all the light she's running away from. And that reminds me of a missionary family, you know, in Indonesia who had adopted the boy and the girl from the capital, Jakarta, and the mother of the children had been a prostitute. And as the kids grew up in the jungle there with the missionary family, they got proud. And they started to talk about, boy, it would be so much better if we were in the city of Jakarta where we came from. If we just could have been left alone and never been adopted. And it would have been exciting to live in Jakarta, to back on the streets. And it irritated. (laughs) It irritated the family. So they decided, the father decided, they just had too much of this kind of talk. So he said, okay, I'll take you back to Jakarta, and we'll go back to those streets where your mother was a prostitute, and you'll just see how great this life is. And they did, and they went back there, and they saw, and that cured the kids. They never talked about it anymore, that they wanted to live on the streets of Jakarta. And that's what God's question is designed to do for Hagar. Whence camest thou? It's designed to do the same thing for Hagar, to cause her to look back and to see, just like those kids had a chapter one, she had a chapter one in her life in Egypt, and then her life of darkness, and then she had a chapter two, her life in the light. So God's saying, you need to see this clearly, to appreciate what you are now running away from. She's running away from the place of light where God was honored. And with that question... Hagar thought, boy, with Sarai and Abraham's wife, I mean, Abraham's maid, I mean, when I was in that position, I heard about God. I saw people pray to the only true God. I was in a place where God was honored and spoken about. I was in a place where God was worshipped and adored. I was in a place of light. Now where am I? There's no knowledge of God where I am right now. I've left the place of light and gone backwards to a place of darkness. I'm running away from light. So when God asked Hagar this question, once camest thou, God's asking her, what light are you running away from? And that's the question that God asks every sinner. What light are you running away from? Is it the light of a gospel-preaching church? where you've just snapped your fingers in the face of a pastor or whoever and said, you know, I don't have to take this, and you're running away from that? Is it the light of a Christian family or a praying mother that you said, I got things to do and people to meet and not, I don't want this? Is it the light of a Christian friend that you're running away from who brought you the gospel, you're running away from that? But God has the same question for every person. Whence camest thou? 
And that question's for every sinner. What light are you running away from? And God asked that question because he said in John 3, 19 through 20, he talked about what condemnation was. And he defined condemnation like this. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, or he runs away from the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. For Hagar, light came into her life, and now she loved darkness because she's clinging to the deed of despising, the evil deed, of despising Sarah in her own pride. And the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world was light is come. And with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great decision is made. Either hate the sin and love the light, or love the sin and hate the light. And to make that fatal decision to love the sin and hate the light is described by the Lord Jesus Christ as the one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. You show me a person who loves his sin, and I'll show you a person who hates the Lord Jesus Christ and will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It all comes down to whether or not a person is willing, as we said last week, to frame his doings. It all comes down to whether a person is willing to natan or give up his sin to be taken away like the people who lived in Jerusalem and they would carry their trash out and throw it into the valley outside of Jerusalem, Gehinom, where there would be all this burning taking place. It all comes down to whether or not a person is willing to separate himself from his sins so that he won't be separated from God. That's why God asked Hagar, whence camest thou, to bring her face to face with what she was running away from. And then, after he's asked that question, to reflect on her past, then he says, okay, Hagar, and he asks you to reflect on your past with the whence camest thou question. Now in verse 8, God is saying, now turn around, Hagar, and now look in the future. Look what lies ahead. And ask the question, he asked the next question, whither wilt thou go? So when God asked Hagar that, God was saying to Hagar, Hagar, how's your life right about now? How are things going for you, Hagar? Why don't you think about that, Hagar? Are you happy with how your life is turning out right about now? Are you heading in the direction that you want to go in? Where are you going, Hagar, in your life? Those are penetrating questions that God was asking Hagar, and they're penetrating questions that God asks every lost person. Because for a lost person to be saved, he's got to look at his life and realize that he's heading nowhere. And he has to realize that he has no idea where he's going. And that's why Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, got such traction. Because it caused people to see they don't have a purpose that's driving their life. Now, notice how Hagar responds in verse 8 to these two questions. She says, in verse 8, and she said, I flee from the face of of, uh, my mistress Sarah. So that was all Hagar had to say. She was running away from Sarah. She has no answer to the second question, where she's going. She doesn't know. She only has an answer for the first question as to where she's coming from. So Hagar's answer was that, I'm in rebellion against Sarah. Sarah was for Hagar God's way to break Hagar's pride. And Hagar was running away from God's instrument to break her pride. And she admitted that her new direction in life was to preserve her pride and run away from Sarah. So now we see in verse 9, God gives instructions to Hagar with two words. 
return and submit. Return and submit. The angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. So Hagar now is at a crossroads between returning to Sarah and submitting herself under Sarah's hands. Very graphic. Or keep on running away. And God did not give Hagar any other option. Well, you could do this, you could do that. No, there was just one way. Hagar was clearly being instructed to go back, as in repent, and submit. And that was not an easy decision for Hagar to make. Not at all. That was very hard. Sarah had been very hard on Hagar. It was very hard. But the only way for Hagar, as far as God was concerned, was return and submit. Because what she would gain by obeying God, or what she would lose by not obeying God, was what Hagar had within her sight. She had everything to gain by obeying God and everything to lose by turning back and keep on running. And she could receive God's reproof for being proud and follow God's course of correction to return and submit to Sarah. She could choose to see that she was wrong for becoming proud. She could choose to see that she deserved the harsh treatment of Sarah and return and submit. Or Hagar could follow Cain who refused to repent, and instead, Cain chose the course that's described in Genesis 4.16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Cain said, I had enough of that. I'm out of here. Cain made that tragic decision to keep his pride and run. And the way of returning and submitting is the way to have the life with God, because the way to refuse to return and submit is the way to go out from the presence of the Lord. And so Hagar saw that this really came down to her deciding she's either going to gain God or lose God in her life. Unfortunately for Hagar, she made the hard decision, the right decision to return and submit. But Hagar was about to give birth. She's about to be a mother, and she's worried, as any mother would be, about what's going to happen to her baby. And so Hagar has this silent cry for what's going to happen to her baby. And God heard that cry. He heard that silent cry of Hagar, and God answered her concern in verse 10. The angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. So God assured Hagar that not only would her baby live, but that from him would be a great people. And then God gave to Hagar this promise about her seed that's very similar to the promise that God gave to Abraham. And God's going to multiply her seed exceedingly and that they would be so large a number can't number it. And then we see in verse 11 how God begins to tell Hagar as the expectant mother about her son. And he says, Behold, thou art with child, shall bear a son, call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. So first God tells Hagar that she's going to have a son not a daughter. And then God does something for the first time in the Bible. He's never done this before. God names the child before it's born. I'll do it after this point, but this is the first time in the Bible that God names the child before it's born. And he says that the name of the child is Ishmael, which literally means God has heard. God has heard. And he explains to her that he's naming the child Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction or thy misery. So Ishmael is named to commemorate that God has heard Hagar's misery. That's a wonderful name. It's actually a wonderful name, Ishmael. God has heard. Ishmael describes an event, the event when God heard Hagar's misery. Now, would to God that all of us should have an Ishmael event, that God should hear our misery. And notice how in verse 11, God does not say that he heard her prayer, 
but that he heard her affliction, which teaches us that our afflictions are like prayers to God that he hears. In verse 12, you see God describes what her son's going to be like. He says, well, he's going to be a wild man. His hand's going to be against every man, every man's hand against him. He's going to dwell in the presence of his brethren. So he tells Hagar that your son's going to be a wild man. And God describes Hagar's offspring as being at odds with each other. His hand is going to be against every man. Every man's hand is going to be against him. That's a very good description of the Ishmaelites. They've notoriously been at war with each other. I mean, even before Islam, the Arabs were fighting each other. The northern African Arab countries have just have a history of being at war with each other all the time. Iraq has a long-standing uh, war with Iran. And look at Iraq today, and the U.S. has pulled out of Iraq. And what did it say last month? There were 900 people who died in these suicide bombs. That's one Ishmaelite against another Ishmaelite. And then God said that he will dwell in the presence of his, all his brethren. The Israelis are acutely aware of this part. Because <laughs> no matter what the Israelis do, they can put up all the walls that they want to put up. The Israelis cannot escape from, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. They cannot escape from living among the descendants of Ishmael. Then in verse 13, we have Hagar's response, which is one of surprise, it's one of appreciation. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also looked after him that seeth me? So since God has just named her baby, Hagar returns the favor, and she now names God. And she calls God by the name, Thou God seest me. So what has impressed Hagar here is that God has cared about poor little Hagar, poor little insignificant Hagar. God cares. What has impressed Hagar was the fact that God has heard her affliction, and the love of God has melted Hagar's heart, and she's decided to give her own name to God, for God. He's going to call him God who sees me. That's a great name for God. And that name for God reminds us that God's always seeing us, like it says in Psalm thirty-three, eighteen. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. And Hagar is just all caught up with the behold of it all. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Then she asks herself a very searching question. She's filled with this wonder that God has cared for her so much. And she turns now and asks herself the question, if he's cared so much for me, do I care about him? Well, we'll have to stop this morning and we'll continue next week. Father, thank you so much for how we see you so tenderly cared for Hagar and leading her back. And we see in your dealings with Hagar how you tenderly cared for us and the goodness of God led us to repentance. We thank you, Lord, for being the God who sees us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, if you appreciate the Old Testament teaching from Tom Cantor, we'd like you to support the Friendship with God radio program on this station. You can do so by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and donating online so that you can keep hearing this program on your station in your city. Now, you can also make a donation by calling 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now, Passover and Easter are just around the corner, and Tom Cantor has put together an incredible teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover. It's an insightful message on DVD that teaches the Passover like you've never heard it preached or taught before. It's an edifying presentation of Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53 in a two-disc DVD production. And this DVD set is our resource of the month, 
And for a donation of $20 or more, we will send you this Passover teaching from Tom Cantor. Now, Tom Cantor brings to life the process and passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of our lives today. Now, it's a great gift to give to any Christian or unbeliever at Easter time and at Passover time, especially for a Jewish person that may be searching for the truth and the evidence in the scriptures of who the Messiah really is. So call us today with a donation of $20 or more. It's our resource of the month, and we'll send you this powerful DVD teaching by Tom Cantor, two-disc set, for a $20 or more donation, and it'll support the Friendship with God radio program staying on the air in your station in your city. So call us with your donation of support of $20 or more at 1-800-247-3051. Or you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org. We have the product available at our online bookstore. So again, friendshipwithgod.org or 1-800-247-3051. Now while you're at our website, friendshipwithgod.org, Remember, you can get a hold of past messages. For example, there's a popular movie that's going to be coming out called Noah. Now, we've got past teachings from Tom Cantor about the real Noah and his real life from Scripture. So you don't have to learn about it from Hollywood. You can learn about it from Tom Cantor. All those messages are available at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. They're also available through iTunes at iTunes.com and the Friendship with God radio podcast. So you can find all those messages at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one verse that comes to your email or your phone. Find it all at friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information, or again, to support this radio program at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051.